The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. Good morning. It's Friday, the 29th of December in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Maine becomes the second US state to try to bar Donald Trump from its Republican primary ballot. A new survey shows UK households are more worried about their financial security heading into 2024, despite slowing inflation. Plus, on the last trading day of the year, we'll look at what Wall Street's biggest names got wrong in their market predictions for 2023. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The top election official in the state of Maine has ruled that Donald Trump cannot run in the state's Republican primary. In her decision, Secretary of State and Democrat Shenna Bellows cited the former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. She added that Trump could appeal her decision, which comes just weeks before the first Republican primary in Iowa. The former president plans to file a legal objection in state court. He's faced dozens of lawsuits across the US claiming he's ineligible for another term under a legal provision which states that a person who took an oath to support the Constitution and then engaged in, quote, insurrection is ineligible to hold office. Half of the container ships which regularly use the Suez Canal are avoiding the route after the recent string of attacks by Houthi militants in the Red Sea. Data compiled by Flexport shows 299 container ships have either changed course or planned to, accounting for 18% of global trade. Mercury Resources CEO Anton Posner specialises in supply chains. He says many major firms want to know more about the US response to the attacks. So at this point, it's uh, a lot of wait and see in what's happening with the international uh, coalition. We're seeing, of course, uh, increased freight, increased insurance, uh, a lot of uncertainty and mixed signals from, uh, from ship owners, container lines uh, and from governments on what's happening uh, to, to basically mitigate the risk and the threats that are out there from these Yemeni armed groups. Posner added that some containers are putting off decisions until the new year while attacks continue. The US military says it's speaking with shipping companies to ease their concerns. Ukraine's Prime Minister has sounded the alarm over the country's finances as international aid dwindles. Denis Shimal has asked for an emergency meeting with international donors as Kyiv fears running out of money in the new year. Roughly $110 billion is held up in political wrangling by the United States and the European Union. The chipmaker NVIDIA is selling a downgraded version of its gaming chip to Chinese consumers. The version for the Chinese market has about 10% fewer processing cores than what the chip giant sells in other countries. 
This comes after the US government has tightened restrictions on what the company can market there. Bloomberg's Ian King says so far commercial backlash is limited. How much of a general impact it's going to make, um, probably not a huge amount. I mean, how many people can afford $2,000 for a card? Uh, the volume of the market is at a much lower tier than that. Um, but really what matters is what happens in the AI accelerator market. NVIDIA said it's going to have new chips for that business for China to meet these new rules. Um, we don't know when that's coming or if indeed if that will actually come and that will have a much more uh, concrete impact on revenue. Bloomberg's Ian King reporting the divide sets up a future geopolitical issue for NVIDIA, which is by far the best performing semiconductor stock in 2023 and the industry's first company with a market value of $1 trillion. UK consumers are more worried about their financial security heading into the new year. A new survey shows that slowing inflation isn't enough to encourage spending as households make an effort to cut back. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has the details. Inflation may have more than halved in 2023, but that doesn't mean households are feeling better about the economy. A KPMG survey has found four in ten UK consumers say they're in a worse financial position than the end of last year. The findings add to fears the British economy will stagnate or even shrink as people cut back on spending. Add to that a warning from the Trade Union Congress that unsecured debt, excluding student loans, is set to rise by 11% next year. These factors setting a gloomy economic scene as the UK moves into an election year. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. The heiress to the L'Oreal Cosmetics empire has become the first woman to amass a $100 billion fortune. Françoise Betancourt-Myers reached the milestone on Thursday when her wealth jumped to $100.1 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. The increase came as shares in L'Oreal rose to a record high, with the stock set for its best year since 1998. Betancourt-Myers inherited the stake in the beauty products empire from her mother in 2017. Well, in a moment, we'll be discussing how the market bets from some of Wall Street's biggest names in 2023 didn't go as planned. But another Bloomberg article that caught my eye this morning was from our colleague Howard Chua Iwan from Bloomberg Opinion about the dangers of being hangry. Apart from it being a very amusing read about Howard's experiences of being hungry, it's also a good reminder that with January in mind, the effects that hunger can have on your mood and how you behave at work. Now, that could be because perhaps you're cutting back on how much you're eating after an indulgent Christmas season, or perhaps that you're just too busy to eat. Howard's message in general is let's resolve to be aware of the conditions that contribute to hunger and take ourselves and others out of the path of what he describes as irrational rage. It's perhaps a suitable note to end the year on. You can read the full piece on the terminal or on Bloomberg.com. Well, let's get more now on the political story out of the US. The top election official in Maine has barred Donald Trump from the state's Republican primary. Bloomberg's John Harney joins us from Washington with the latest. John, great to have you with us. What has Maine's Secretary of State decided and why? Well, she was responding, uh, she writes in her decision, to challenges from Maine voters um, and... She decided that uh, Donald Trump could not be on the Republican primary ballot uh, because uh, he had engaged in insurrection uh, when he uh, when he, because of his efforts to overturn uh, the, the 2020 election results. 
and particularly uh, his actions on January 6, 2021, when, of course, uh, his supporters um, uh, assaulted uh, assaulted the Capitol uh, as uh, electoral votes were being counted. And she points out that uh, she did not take this decision lightly, but that... Um, you know, no, no secretary of state in Maine had ever before deprived a candidate of ballot access. But, uh, and I'm quoting here, no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection under the uh, 14th Amendment of the Constitution. What has been the reaction from the Trump campaign? Well, it was it was, it was uh, quite swift after the... Uh, after Ms. Bellows uh, had uh, issued her ruling, um, and it, it immediately um, accused her, she, she is a she is a Democrat, and she ran for the United States Senate uh, against Susan unsuccessfully against Susan Collins, a couple uh, back in 2020, uh, a few couple years ago. Um, they, they, you know, the campaign said that this was politically motivated. This decision and an attempt to fix the 2024 election. And it also it also uh, referred to efforts to keep Trump off the ballot in other states. This co- comes after, as you mentioned, a similar decision in Colorado earlier this month. Donald Trump, though, back on the ballot there. What's happened? Well, he... Uh, he um, he was there. I mean, he, he the, that was a court ruling, uh, the state supreme court in Colorado that uh, he could not be on the ballot. He was never he was never officially taken off, uh, but uh, the uh, th- that case has now been put off because uh, the, uh, the Colorado Republican Party has. Um, has petitioned the United States Supreme Court, which will almost certainly have to decide this as it's, uh, you know, as these cases and challenges keep arising um, in, in many in many states throughout the country, even as um, the first votes, as you pointed out, are about to be, uh, are, they're about the, the, the first votes of the 2024 um primary primary season are about to take place in the Iowa caucuses on in, in the middle of January. What's the, the big picture effect of these legal challenges? Of course, as you say, there are appeals underway. Um, what does it mean for Donald Trump's prospects for an election that's now less than a year away? Well, it's one more, uh, it's, it's one more factor of, un, uh, one, one more bit of uncertainty. Um, as as he you know tries to as as he as he makes his comeback or attempted comeback to to uh, win the Republican nomination and then the White House next November, uh, he faces several he faces criminal trials uh, in the year that, that may well take place in the year ahead and uh, possible convictions. Uh, there's also a civil, there's also civil cases. Um, most notably in New York, when which um, that might that might severely uh, curtail his business, you know his uh, you know the his, his the Trump organization's uh, business, the source the source of the family fortune, um, and at the same time, um, you know none of these none of these uh, setbacks seem to or what you think would be setbacks seem to have harmed him, uh, at least uh, in the minds of many of Republican voters. 
and they and they have not helped his Republican rivals or um, President Joe Biden, of course, is running on the Democratic ticket. Yeah, certainly. And that's going to be one of the factors that we'll be watching as we watch the legal processes continue to play out, uh, both in Maine and in Colorado. John Harney in Washington, thank you so much for joining us with the latest uh, on that story. That's Bloomberg's John Harney there. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Well, it is the final trading day of the year for markets, and today's Bloomberg Big Take report is looking at what Wall Street's biggest names had been expecting to see this year and how those calls held up during the year. The consensus view formed around three things, mainly sell US stocks, buy treasuries and buy Chinese stocks. To talk us through how that went, we're joined by our senior global equity markets reporter, Jan Patrick Barnard. JP, great to have you with us. First of all, what formed the basis of these calls a year ago? Good morning. Well, I mean, at the core was the idea that the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve would drive the U.S. economy into a, a recession. And that, of course, would have the, the ripple effects to, to stocks and uh, and bonds, uh, meaning that everybody expected uh, U.S. stocks uh, will lead a decline in, in global markets and that the Fed will then have to cut rates. And hence, uh, it would be a good idea to be to be long bonds. So that was at the core of, of the prediction. Um as we now all know, uh, didn't go that way. Um, but it was was very hard to to make the call at the beginning of the year, given uh, everything that happened before, uh, mainly with the pandemic uh, and all the effects it had on the economy and the consumer. Um, so I wouldn't go too hard on on those being wrong for this year, because it really was a, a tough call to make. Of course, regular listeners know that the reality of, of the year's trading didn't match the expectations from those big Wall Street calls. Talk us through what happened, first of all, to, to US stocks and bonds. Why didn't that pan out as had perhaps been expected? Yeah, it was it was very surprising. I mean, there were early signs in in January, February that the, that the economy would held economy would held up better than expected. Um, I guess everybody was very surprised that the consumer was still very strong. Um, those savings that uh, piled up during the pandemic like helped a lot with that. So that goes back to the the idea that I said it's it's hard to 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 make a prediction when you have those those kinds of mechanics that you really can't you can't really predict what what's going on, um, and. Um, so uh, the, uh, the the corporate earnings uh, front also looked looked very healthy. Uh, corporates were able to um, 
uh, take those higher inflations from from producing stuff and forward this to the to the consumer. Uh, so that helped a lot with with the earnings. I mean, we saw earnings um, contraction, uh, of course, but the top line held up well. Uh, the margins still looked healthy. So all that, of course, helped to um, to pile stocks up. And then you added the, let's say, the not one-off effects, but like these these special uh, circumstances, mainly the frenzy about uh, artificial intelligence that propelled all those mega caps um, uh, to new highs, which of course then has big effects on on the broader indices. Uh, and then the obesity trade was a was a big one. So those like one-off trades or one one-off themes like also helped the market a lot. Nobody saw that coming, uh, and that pushed stocks to to levels we haven't seen. What about the China question then? Because that was one that quite a lot of these analysts got wrong. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of an an interesting story because there was uh, the notion of uh, a reopening trade in in China. And I, I would say that if you look at European stocks, um, this notion held up pretty well throughout the year because if you look at the uh, Germany stocks, uh, for example, who is like highly skewed towards China, uh, is trading at an all-time high right now. Um, so uh, it worked for Europe. It didn't work so well for for the Chinese stocks uh, itself. I think like the Hang Seng is down like minus 14% or something like this year um, because the economy still struggled and uh, the government had to uh, push out measure after measure to to keep the couple, uh, com- the economy some kind of uh, of afloat. So so it's interesting that. Domestically, the market is still like having a very bearish and, and very doomish view on, on China, while you have the, the outside view from, from everybody who is like uh, importing into China um, mm-hmm. is, is rather sanguine about it. So it's, it's, it's an interesting twofold story this year. JP, does it matter that these calls didn't work out? Does it, is it going to change if people <laughs> look at the calls people are making for next year? Well, I guess it's uh, it's uh, a good lesson uh, that even like the most brightest and smartest people on on Wall Street can be wrong from from time to time. Um, again, it, it was a very hard prediction to make with the pandemic and and everything that were satelliting around it to 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 get everything into place uh, and, and make this call. So I would say like. If it's just about this year, um, we can be very forgiven um, that those people were wrong. What I didn't really understand, and that was um, the the more shocking part to me, is like when there were signs in, let's say, January, February, and and especially after the banking crisis was resolved in March, uh, it looked all very good. The economic indicators looked good. The earnings looked good. And I was very surprised that those um, big strategists didn't revert their their calls and said, like, okay, we were wrong. This looks better. We have to tone down our, our bearish view. And they held to it like very long almost until yeah. until summer until they then folded their hands so um, I would blame them for that for sure This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. 
Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 